back? Yeah. I thought you weren't insane anymore. What are they saying? He wants to go back from where they came. Citadel. What's there to find at the Citadel? Green. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where we echo John Bon Jovi and ask, who says you can't go home in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time? I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 87, which begins with Glory's ghost calling out to Max, and it ends with Max telling the Vuvulini what they can expect to find at the Citadel. Wrapping up the week with us are Punxsutawney's favorite sons, Sean German and Dave Pallas from Groundhog Minute. <laughs> hey! Glad to be on this combo with you. <laughs> oh, it's a mistake. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's a mistake. <laughs> now, I can't remember off the top of my head, has anybody done the Ghostbusters movies one minute at a time? Yeah, that's the... Yeah, uh, they, they did the first one. The Crane mm-hmm. Boys. Yeah, Brady, Brady Crane? And Brady Kyle? and Kyle Crane, yeah. Yeah. They good Ghostbusters. They still gotta come back for those sequels. They yeah they covered it in I think a Patreon episode they just did the second one it's just like a one shot and then uh, then a new group of guys did the sequels to uh, the Orion for Jurassic Jurassic okay. Park two okay I gotcha with the sudden appearance of the ghostly image of Glory appearing down on the dunes I'm like woof we're getting into ghost territory here especially considering that she's down there shouting up at Max in her ghostly way come on Paul let's go. It's a terrible little girl voice, but it's the best I've got. <laughs> I really have a problem with this. The fact she, that she calls him Pop? Yeah, yeah. What the heck? All right. The whole glory thing is confusing enough to people who haven't read the comics, which I think is unfair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then to throw in this Paw label, you think that glory is meant to be his child that died in the first movie which is all wrong i'm willing to bet that this line in particular the folks over at avalanche saw this and assumed because apparently none of them had seen the first movie which is a travesty in and of itself that a video game company would be allowed to use a licensed property like mad max when the people in the writing staff haven't seen all three of the movies and deeply analyzed them like we have to just assume, oh yeah, the little girl is totally his daughter, and before the apocalypse, he had an in-ground swimming pool with his wife who didn't have curly hair, and I'm like, come on! Come on! I, I almost ejected the game at that point and stopped playing on principle alone, but I stuck with it anyway. I'm tr- I played the game, I'm actually trying to remember. I don't remember the uh, the flashback to what the video games version of Mad Max had. Oh, it's like 15 seconds at the very beginning of the first cutscene. You never see it again. Yeah, okay. Then yeah, I'm I'm just like I'm like like Google searching. I'm like uh no, I got nothing. Yeah, but it's like a quarter of an episode if you're doing it one minute at a time. So. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's only 15 seconds in a game. Meanwhile, it's not even a full second in the movie that we spent 5 minutes on. <laughs> yeah, I uh can't imagine doing a minute by minute breakdown of a video game like okay this is the opening cutscene. this lasts about two or three minutes and then (laughs) all right for the next 45 minutes here we are driving around the open world trying to unlock stuff (laughs) 
I think that's the next frontier of someone cutting like one of those walkthrough videos or run throughs. Someone breaking that down one minute at a time. That's like the next podcast movement, I'm sure. I f- yeah, I feel like you could do it with the Naughty Dogs of uh, the Uncharted series mm-hmm. and like and and uh, Last of Us because they're very story driven and they're very linear. It's like you know, as a character in those games, you rarely go off the path of what you need to do story wise. Yeah, the secret with the Uncharted games, if you don't have a PlayStation, is to go on YouTube and find one of those Uncharted the movie. Mm-hmm cutscene compilations oh, oh yeah. yeah it was pretty good yeah i think we watched all four of them that way we did they're long though yeah because obviously oh. they're not cut to be a movie so like four or five hours long yeah like a mini series like yeah i still got i remember i got a little teary-eyed near the end of the fourth one it got me yeah where it cuts away and it's like been several years and uh mm. nate and what is it elena is that her name i think so yeah it's yeah. like their daughter and she's like poking around their old yeah, that Treasure really cabin. got me because you play as the daughter, but the parents aren't around. So I feel like they're trying to get you to believe that they died and she's being raised by somebody else. It was it was a rough few minutes until <laughs> you ran into them. <laughs> that was a good game for cutscenes. The Mad Max game, not so much. Nah. Uh, not a ton of cutscenes in that one. It was mostly about the driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the gameplay loop though kept me addicted to it. So, like I said, like there's been worse IP based movie uh, games. Yeah. So, I'll, yes. I'll take I'll, that. You know, that was the one that like it did it did fine. It did a fine Apple job. I bought it. I played it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I've said this before, but I think the hand to hand fighting might be my favorite part of that video game, just because the sound design and the way they animated it made it just seem so heavy and impactful and it was oh so yeah. good and the car combat was just as good yeah i'm, I'm glad it wasn't a heavy heavy yeah. firearm related game like uh, shooting a guy with a shotgun was like you almost reserved it for like a real son of a bitch who deserved it yeah and so speaking of son of bitches <laughs> <laughs> we cut away from max looking out at this mysterious visage of this young girl who is not his daughter to max on his bike streaming quickly driving across the flats to to catch up and cut off furios and her crew he is heeding the beckoning of glory to come on pa let's go let's put this plan that i guess he's formulated julia like you said the night before probably and he is chasing them down and it hasn't been that long they haven't been gone for Mm-hmm. that big of a span of time and they're probably not going that fast because they are dragging these sleds behind the motorcycles and so max is able to catch up to them rather quick right yeah they're trying to conserve fuel mm-hmm. by yeah. driving efficiently P's not right they're also concerned there's, there's loose gravel this is not a clean surface to be driving across so safety is a factor as well that's gonna slow them down so Max is able to catch up. So, I yeah, so this raised many questions in my mind. One is, yeah, was this his plan from the beginning? And he just, you know, to be dramatic, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let them drive away and then I'm going to catch up and then I'm going to stop them. And that's why I want to tell them the plan, not when they first ask me to join them, because I don't know, it's not as dramatic that way. Or was he planning to return to the Citadel alone? 
just like, well, I've got to go back. They destroyed my vehicle or maybe they fixed it up. I just I got to get a car like I, I can ride a motorcycle, but it's not really a thing. I'm not a motorcycle guy. So I'm going to go back to the Citadel to get my vehicle or is just Max into Max. He's a cartographer. He's just into making maps. And the, the, the idea to return to the Citadel popped up later. I think I just figured it out. Okay. All okay. right. So you know how in those V8 commercials, people suddenly <laughs> remember something and then they smack their forehead and they're like, oh, oh I should have had a V8. When Glory did that thing where she put her hand out at him and uh, he smacked his head, and he smacked that's his head. where it dawned on him. Mm. Oh, brand new idea. Should have just gone back. Should have gotten a V8. Should have just gone back to the Citadel <laughs> and get a V8. Yeah. Go back to the Citadel. Gotta get a V8. And now Glory is like, hey, take this idea that I just gave you by smacking yourself in the forehead and go share it with the people. Yeah. Spread the message. But uh, but going back to the, the map thing, it's like, yeah, he has to make the map because, you know, he's on he's on the road. He needs to know what landmarks to avoid and what to work with. Yeah. I like the idea of Max having a cartography hobby mm-hmm. because. You can't do board games. You're not going to find all yep. the pieces in the yep. wasteland. You're not, <laughs> you can't read books because yeah. they're all going to be eaten by moths or burned as fire fuel for warmth or something like that. Crosswords. No one's publishing crosswords. So why not be a cartographer? Have these little scraps of paper that you paint up using blood from your thumb and have them handy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense because you, you'd want to know... You know, there's the Citadel and Gastown and the Bullet Farm, and then there's Thunderdome. Like, you know, all these different city states have popped up, and they have their spheres of influence and different gangs you got to look out for, and mm-hmm. maybe possibly different people that he's made alliances with. So, if you're, you know, you just don't want to wander the wasteland ri- randomly. You want to know that you're wandering to new areas. And kind of mapping out where you've already been. Yeah. And maybe put little notes about, okay, don't go here because I wronged this person. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe definitely go back here because these people like me. Right. It's one of those, all my exes live in Texas and that's why (laughs) I hang my hat in Tennessee. Yeah. It's like, all right, I blew up the refinery here. (laughs) I destroyed the pig farm over there. Oh, I'm not welcome back in that place. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Max... As he catches up to the Vovolini, he pulls in front of them, parks his bike. And in seeing all these motorcycles, I know we talked on Monday about, well, where are they going to carry all this stuff? They have piled these bikes yes. with bags and boxes and baskets and things. And they've even got a couple of sleds that they're dragging behind the motorcycles to carry more supplies. Mm-hmm. There's at least one sidecar, I think. So they've yeah. actually done a pretty good job. And even Max's motorcycle, it's got the blankets, it's got the gas tanks, like anything that can be hung off the side of this mm-hmm. bike or stacked in a tied down bindle on the back. Like they're being very efficient with their space on these things. Yeah. Well, and every I think Furiosa is the only one who's riding alone. It looks like every other bike has either doubled up on riders, is pulling someone in a sled, has a sidecar, or or all the above. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Furiosa's bike, when you're looking at it from the side around second 21, because you get a nice profile view, Mm -hmm. that might be a saddle that someone can sit on back there. Yeah. But 
Furios is the leader. She's the one that needs to be out front being nimble. And then all the other heavier bikes can follow in closer behind. Yeah. Well, I wonder if the plan is in certain areas that the the rest of the group stop and she kind of scout up ahead. Yeah. Because she's not only riding alone, she is very... Yeah, it looks like there is a seat for someone to sit behind her, but she's traveling very light compared to, as you said, all the other bikes are very laden down with luggage and stuff in the basket on front and, and saddlebags and whatnot. She's kind of traveling light. So I wonder if the, yeah, the plan is at certain times, she'll go on ahead alone to kind of scout out you know, what they're getting themselves into there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, what they're getting themselves into is, is Max pulling out front and stopping the parade. And I like how he's able to just slow them down and stop them that like, they all know each other. It's not a confrontational thing. And Max just hops off his bike, reaches into his jacket and plops this little hand-drawn map onto Furiosa's gas tank. (laughs) I love that. It's like they're continuing a conversation. (laughs) <laughs> right. There's no greeting. There's yeah. no easing into it. He's just continuing the conversation that they were having last night. Yep. He just walks up. And he's like, all right. Boom. There's the map. This is your way home. And he just points down to this little flaming skull emblem that he's drawn on the map. Yeah. I wanted to, to point out, like, they obviously, yeah, packed their bikes very well. They broke down the rig very well. And then, you know, he gives them an idea. They have to essentially put that back on the rig. And they had to, like, regas the rig up, too, because it, like, dried the tank to get these bikes all gassed up. So now they're, like, have to go back and they have to kind of, like, like, like first gas tank come up, we got to pump, siphon the gas back into the war <laughs> rig. And then the next bike comes up, siphon that gas into the war rig. Yeah, that's going to be a real pain in the butt. Yeah. And I love how Furiosa, Max is pointing to this map, and she looks at him and she's like, we go back? Like, that's your idea? And Max is like, yeah. He just kind of nods and goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Well, I think the the reason why he's, like, and he has to teach this to us, too. And, like, if they held, maybe they should have held on the the map more because, all right, so here we are, second 40, I I have it paused. He has those arrows going down, and then there's that dot. Mm -hmm. I think that dot is supposed to be the canyon because that's what it's important that we don't really realize until another minute or two. Is that it's not just, oh, we'll go back and we'll defeat the bad guys. It's we'll go back and for some reason that canyon is such a choke point out here in the wasteland that if we destroy it, these guys will be so stranded out there. You're right. Yeah. That's something that's not really discussed until like they're on their way back because I'm just like, oh, well, it's a wasteland. Like just drive around the canyon. But it seems to be (laughs) this canyon is a focal point. That they have to go through it. They have to go through the the, the biker boys and they have to go through the, the the spike car area. They have to go this way. It's the only like efficient way in this territory. What's not clear to me is exactly what each symbol on that map represents because right below the flaming skull are the squiggly lines that could be the canyon, but they also could be the spires of the citadel. They could just be something else. Like the flaming skull itself could be the citadel. And then the arrows that go out are like the path of the war rig or the path where the oh. armada went. Like, it's not incredibly clear. You'd have to go to the fan community to find something that's actually like super clear. Yeah. There Wait, is. Aren't we a fan community? 
I guess we're fans. I don't know if we call ourselves a community just yet. We're not Reddit for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I know you guys that well. I don't know if like we call ourselves a community, but uh Yeah, and actually and well to and to possibly answer a question I had earlier, back to Dave was talking about the the view of the map we get on second forty. We have a compass. We have a line sort of an X with an arrow on one leg that I, can we assume that's north? Kind of the I arrow is so. pointing kind yeah, of up I into the that... left. So I'm assuming that they're towards like the top of this map because that's where there's more detail. So that's where they've been, tra- you know, they've been traveling north from the Citadel uh, these past three days. And so they will be traveling south to go back. This is what? not going to do anything for our listeners, but I have shared my screen with the chat and what I've got up here is a picture that someone has drawn. This is a illustration by Andrew DeGraff. I'll share it to the listener page unless someone beats me to it. But it shows in different colored lines. We start at the Citadel. We go up towards the Toxic Storm. We go through the canyon, through what used to be the Green Place, which is in blue up there at the top. Okay. And then we go out to the Radio Tower and the Great Salt and everything like that. I'm trying to reconcile a depiction like the one I'm sharing with the depiction that Max is doing, because it seems to be cutting back and forth a lot, which is why I'm going with the one by Andrew DeGraff, as opposed to the one that was provided in. There was a big over two hour interview that Brendan McCarthy, George Miller and Nico Lathuris did at the Sydney Opera House talking about Mad Max and up on the screen behind them, they had this big map where everything was more or less mm-hmm. a straight line cutting across from the Citadel down to the Canyon, then across the Green Place Bog to the Great Salt's Plains of Silence type of thing. But I think at the end of the day, Max's idea is let's just turn around Go back to the Citadel. And this idea is expounded on next week. (laughs) Let's go back to all the people that are trying to kill us. Yeah. And that's pretty much the response that we get from the wives. Like, Toast is like, back? And Max is like, yeah. And the Dag having probably the best line of this minute. (laughs) I thought you weren't crazy anymore. (laughs) Which is so great. (laughs) That is a great line. Rick and I were talking off mic earlier today about the DAG. And her personal journey, I think, has been interesting. Her development has been interesting. When we first met her and started getting to know her, she was very angry. She was often spitting out slurs and curse words. And that came across as, oh, this one's got quite the personality. But we weren't really getting a good look at her personality. Now that things are very different from the beginning of the movie, now we're actually seeing her personality. She's actually talking in complete sentences, and we actually get to hear what she thinks about things. Mm -hmm. So I really like that change. And she's still sassy. (laughs) That hasn't changed. Yeah. There's just more to her than that. Yeah, she's warmed up to the others, and I think meeting the Vuvulini have definitely helped with that. Speaking of the Vuvulini, one of them, Melita, she stands up in the little sled there, and she's like, what are y'all talking about up there? (laughs) And another Vuvulini steps forward. She's the one with the cap, and she says, oh, they want to go back to where they came. Oh, her tone. The way Melita says, what are they saying? And then Joy responds with, he wants to go back from where they came. 
the dynamic feels like Melita is the old woman who can't ever hear anything, <laughs> and Joy is always the one who has to repeat what other people are saying so that Melita can hear. That's what this exchange sounds like. Joy <laughs> sounds very put out. Yeah. What would put be upon. This is the old couple in the theater, like when <laughs> when when they're whispering in the last minute. What, what did she say? <laughs> she what said they want to go back. Well, why do they want to? Wait, why does she want to scratch his back? That's, that's not what he said. He wants to go back, not scratch his back. Huh? What? Honestly, you can't blame Melita. She's well, been yeah. sitting behind that motorcycle listening to that engine noise for the last however long. She's probably got a little bit of ringing. I'm willing to bet they don't have great hearing protection right. in the wasteland. Yeah, but, between all the roaring engines and the gunfire, I'm, I'm imagining this is a world that's just full of hearing problems. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody hears anything in this world. They probably think that ringing in their ears is just nuclear waste related. Yeah. It's probably and, Fallout. Fallout doesn't right. make your ears ring. Well, you know, whatever. Tinnitus. This is sort of another trope of these, of, of well, not the original, not the first Mad Max, but the Road Warrior and Thunderdome and here again in Fury Road is Max talks the loner game. And he certainly portrays himself as a loner mm-hmm. who, you know what? It's me against the world. You're on your own. You know, I don't wish you ill will. I'm not trying to sabotage you, but I'm looking out for number one. And then he always seems to end up helping people anyway. He can't he, help himself. <laughs> he can't help himself. He's just a big old softy. He's there. He's kicking himself, you know. And he's he's just he wants to be alone, but mm-hmm. he knows the right thing to do. He knows the right thing for them to do, and he knows they're going to need his help. So, gosh darn it, he's going to do it. Yep. And at the mention of the Citadel, Jillian walks up, one of the other Vuvulini, and she says, well, what's there to find at the Citadel? And Max answers with one simple word, green. Huh? You're looking for green. There it is. And yeah, and he's, you know, just sometimes people do that can, you know, they walk in and they boil a problem down to the essence and the solution that immediately becomes obvious after someone else says it. So what are you looking for? Green. Well, I know a place where there's green. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like it, but it's green. <laughs> you're not going to think it's a good idea when you first hear it, but you're looking for green. Where's the one place we absolutely know is green? Mm-hmm. The Citadel. Now, I know we're definitely going to talk about this next week, but that's a different set of guests. So I want to pose this question to you, Dave and Sean. Is this a good plan? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, this is a horrible plan. This is an insane plan. I mean, it. It, spoiler alert, uh, you know, we've we've I think we've all seen the end of the movie. It works out well, but it's incredibly risky. Yeah, because because I said like it's he has to explain. Like, I have to like know the area for him to say like yeah, this canyon. If we block this canyon, like they're pretty much screwed. I go like all right, all right. Like like once I hear that plan, I may get understand it more. Be like okay, yeah, okay, we'll like we'll blow up the rig and then we can like you know or at least blow the trailer of the rig and then mm-hmm. we can take it back. Yeah, I mean it depends on. So one of the things that come up is right now. Right now, all these places are, 
either undefended or their defenses are weakened mm-hmm. because of the people that are out looking for Furiosa and the wives. You know, everyone's after us, so they're not at home. If they can circle back and somehow get back to the Citadel before Joe and, and, and everyone else, okay, then you can, if you can get in and close the door behind you, that's good. But they're still, they're chasing you. So if you just turn around and go back from where you come from, that means those people that are chasing you are now between, they are between you and where you're going. So they're no longer behind you. They're now ahead of you and you're going towards them. And again, it happens to work out well, but this is incredibly risky. Yeah. I, I, yeah, even knowing how it works out, I still got to say, I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, Furia, Fur, Furiosa obviously goes for it. Somehow he's able to convince her and she's an intelligent person who's able, you know, not just capable in the moment, but who's able to plan and think ahead and make contingencies and, and all that kind of stuff. And somehow he convinces her. But this is no, this is not a good plan. This is a very bad plan. <laughs> I think the, I think the best thing that worked for Afrim is that they actually were able to kill Joe. Because if yeah. they came back and there's no sign of any of them, I don't know if it would take longer for them to win the city over. Right. Because even, even if they get there first, even if somehow there's some shortcut or they're able to go around something, they get back before Joe. And, you know, and even if and we've seen it as, you know, as they're chasing, as the chase is going on, whenever they kind of get close, some of the wives are like you know, are, are changing their mind or saying, I want to go back and, you know, he's going to he, he'll forgive us or he won't punish us as bad as if we go back willingly. So even if they get back to the Citadel first and they're able to convince, hey, we're here, we're free, we're nice, let us in, open up the water, happy day. As soon as Joe returns then everyone's going to be like, oh, no, I didn't. I I was against it. I didn't want to yeah. let them back in. It was the other guy <laughs> who, you know, I was, I'm, uh, you know me, Joe, I'm on your side the whole way. It was everyone else, you know, as soon as, yeah, as, soon as he shows up. So um, the plan kind of depends on being able to kill Joe, right? I don't it kind of does. Works if it, the if they don't. way that Max is selling it, he's saying, oh, yeah, we just go back the way we came. There's no one at home right now. This is a home alone situation where it's just a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah. So we'd be able to get in no problem. And Yeah, you know. and look how home alone turned out. Well, okay. The Citadel, yes, it is only defended by the sick and infirm war boys and the war pups. But if each one of those war pups has the ingenuity and penchant for trickster based violence can you imagine like a whole gigantic fortress full of kevin McAllisters? <laughs> yeah good point yeah good point <laughs> paint cans everywhere i tell you yeah hmm. like it's an incredibly risky move and max is going to say next week and i apologize to our listeners for dipping into next week's material for the sake of today's episode but if they keep going on their current trajectory there's nothing but salt. It's that meme from The Last Jedi where the guy puts his fingers on the ground, puts it to his mouth, and then spits it out and says, ah, it's salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we know 
we know Max has been wrong before. And we talked about it, how the, you know, the, the previous groups of people that he's helped and mm-hmm. declined to join in their epilogues. We've seen those, if not, if they haven't reached better places, they've at least reached places where they can settle down and put down roots. At least they're not running all the time. Oh, how terrible would it be for the Vuvulini and Furiosa and the wives if just just hundred miles the ahead of them, there was like the most perfect and pristine area. Like they were just a stone's throw from finding the crack in the earth from beyond Thunderdome. So oh, close. Man. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> and then they turned around because Max convinced them to go back the way they came. To a certain extent, like Max is very, very brave. But in another sense, he's not. In another sense, he is very much a slave to his worries and his fears. And he'd much rather go into the fight that he knows than the peace that he doesn't. Okay, I'm going to come out of left field right now. What if Max knows exactly where the crack in the earth is and he knows that Furiosa is leading the Vuvulini and the wives towards the crack in the earth and he is purposely pulling them away from that area so that way he can keep it isolated. Hmm. Mm, maybe. Well, yeah, because we, we've been positing that he was that he is, you know, sort of uh, one of his hobbies is cartography. He's been mm-hmm. keeping up with this map all along. So he must he must be have mapped other places. He didn't just map this little bit between the Citadel and the the, the salts where they stop. Um, so, yeah, he probably knows at least if, you know, if not the crack in the earth and if not exactly, if he didn't start mapping at that time, he would at least have a sense of the general direction they should go in or at least know a place where like, listen, I drove here and there was water and I didn't get shot. So maybe that's a place <laughs> you could go. <laughs> I would actually argue against that idea, Rick, because as we talked about in Thunderdome, as a problem for the group that stayed, the waiting ones, is that most of their breeding women left. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we have a group here? Breeding women. That's a good point. And enough years have passed that the boys and the men have grown up to be age appropriate to the young women who are in this group. I want to pose this because I don't want to go too far in it because I, I want you to talk with your other listeners, uh, your fan, uh, your guests in the coming weeks. Because I, I looked at your map again, and yeah, th- there was the, obviously the convoy that came from the Citadel, convoy from Gastown, but it looks like the Bullet Farm. You only it only shows one vehicle from Bullet Farm, the the man himself, and like his few cronies on the vehicle. I'm not saying that's action, you know, that's movie accurate, but. Um, we go through, let's say, let's say, okay, so best plan, they go through the, the, the canyon, they, they hit the trailer, blow the, um, blow the, the, the canyon, so no, no, these guys get back. Okay, fine. Let's just, you know, let's assume even so, let's say they just die off from thirst because they're, they're lost out there. They can't get back. So it's like, you get the Citadel, but yeah, you have to make sure that like Bullet Farm and Gastown don't turn into, into like chaos because the Citadel can survive on its own because between mother's milk and the water, they can survive on the bare necessities. Yeah, they've got food. They have food. Yeah. They, they don't have to go anywhere, technically, so they don't need gas. They don't need to kill people, so they don't need bullets. So the other two would then become dependent on the Citadel. So it's essentially, it's kind of like a renegotiation of mm-hmm. 
uh, where Furiosa's be like, all right, I'm in charge now, and here are the new rules, you know? Cause yeah, but I, but I see what you're saying. So that, but if you're, it, you know, you're, example, you're the bullet farm. Yeah. And suddenly there's this uprising over at the Citadel, mm-hmm. and Immortan Joe's gone. Bullet and farmer's new, gone. Yeah, and so, you know, you're like, if... You know, if you're whoever's left in charge there, you're like, well, this is not good because I don't want my people getting ideas and and trying to overthrow me. Yeah, I think this is just stirring up a whole boatload of trouble. And that is a good point. Like, you know, Gastown and Bullet Farm, we don't know how they exactly work, but how there must be people who live there. Like Citadel just seems to be have a lot of people who are there because they have nowhere else to go and they go there for the water and they look up to Joe as a god. Mm hmm. But yeah, people who live at Bullet Farm and Gastown, they're just like day in, day out. They do their job. They probably have their families in that refinery, building the bullets, building the gas, not causing any problems. You know, they go, oh, good. The water and milk supply is in great. All right, we'll spread the rations out and stuff. I feel like the Citadel is where a lot of the like homeless are because they don't know where to go and they Mm -hmm. don't have any body jobs so it's just like they live in hovels and they go when the water and milk are given out i feel like the people who are at gastown and bullet farm are are only workers they're only the foremen because there's no point being at these places because they produce nothing that has you survive on you can't eat bullets and you can't drink gas so i feel like all the i wouldn't say moochers but like the people who they're too weak to do anything that they only just want they don't want to die and joe goes all right you see me as a god under my protection, I will give you some water and milk every so often. Yeah. So that's why I feel like so like I think ninety percent of the population between these two places, these three places, are at the Citadel. So it's not a people problem of overthrow. I think they would be ha- they're obviously happy. We'll see them with Furiosa and the, the ladies coming back. But it's yeah, it's like the people at those other two stations. Like, hey, we're just doing our jobs. Yeah, and like Furiosa comes in, it's like we have to negotiate so we don't die. Of starvation. We don't want to kill you. We don't want to blow you up or anything. But at the same time, like, we will need you to find a new rig, bring that rig over here so we can fill it up with, with gas and bullets as a payment <laughs> for that water and milk. Yeah, I know we mentioned Waterworld already this week, but I want to go back to it because I see the people at Gastown and at the Bullet Farm to be pretty much the same as, like... The guys who work for the Deacon on his giant Exxon Valdez thing. They're just there working as part of the workforce, pouring lead into bullets, working on vehicles. Like, there's one part in Waterworld where Kevin Costner steals a jet ski and drives it up into the Exxon Valdez and crushes one of the bad guys and then, like, dresses up as a bad guy. And... It's discovered by other dudes in that area. Oh, no, one of our guy is killed and they make fun of him for it and don't think anything of it. And I don't think that the workers, the people that refine the fuel and pour the bullets, like you said, Dave, I don't think they're fully on board with the whole let's kill everybody just because Joe says so. It's they're just there because they can work. They have yeah. something to keep their hands busy. They probably get regular rations because yeah. they're working where they're not mooching. They're not weak and, and dying where it's like you're either you take either you get your rat, you get your mandatory, you'll get your milk and water rations if you do work or every so often we'll open the valves of water and milk and you'll get some. Yeah, I think the important thing at the end of the day, and it's one of the reasons that I'm glad that at the end of the movie, we don't see anything bad happen to Corpus 
Spoiler alert, I guess. Was he, um, is, he, is he the small guy in the chair? He's the small guy in the chair. He's pretty <laughs> yeah. much the brains of the operation. Yeah. He stays alive. Yeah. And so I'd like to think that he keeps all of the different machinations in motion. Like yeah. he keeps the supply runs going. Obviously, they're going to have to figure out something else because they don't have the war rig anymore. That was like their number one yeah. produce and milk and water mover. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to replace that. But yeah, I'd like to think that they could just keep everything going. Do we know of any other gangs outside of Spiky Boys and Biker Boys? Because... They seem to be like they were in the canyon, but maybe there's more there's more spike cars out there that that could be a problem. You know, seeing a power vacuum's gone, they have a lot of the armies gone, a lot of the war boys are not there. So spike guys go, you know what? What if we just came in and we just drove our spike bo- spike trucks in and killed everybody and took what we wanted? You know, like they now you have to worry about that. I think there are a lot of people who would like to have access to that water. Mm. Mhm. And Yeah, if Furiosa and the wives, after taking control, they're going to need to maintain the loyalty of whatever war boys and war pups are still there Mm -hmm. because they need an army. They need to defend themselves against Mm -hmm. the other entities out there. I would like to imagine that the wives take the Citadel, they take it over, and then several days later, a whole bunch of war boys come limping back to the Citadel leaderless and beaten and they're just at the bottom like hey can we come up we promise we'll play nice yeah <laughs> witness <laughs> yeah but so you're thinking like Gastown and bullet farm they're fine as long as the citadel is willing to trade like okay we still need water yep and you know if you're willing to trade for us so we can get that water we don't care who's in charge yeah i think yeah. as long as the well, to make a Dune reference, as long as the spice flows, mm, so everything spice will flow. be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, which is kind of like leaving the side the icky bit of that. I'm sure they're not properly cleaning and sanitizing that rig. Yeah. The same rig that's, yeah. you know, it goes one way full of water and it comes back full of gas. And I'm guessing neither of those is actually very clean. There's a lot of gas in that water and a lot of water in that gas. Mm, this water shipment tastes a little oily today. <laughs> Yeah. Man. yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much us here at the end of the week. Before we go, Dave and Sean, could you tell the nice people listening where they can hear more of you? Yeah. Uh, I worked on, uh, by this point, hopefully I'm done or at least wrapping up on Five Minutes of Mystery. Uh, I cover the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men. Uh, I've had both Rick and Sean on, and uh, we have a lot of fun talking about superpowers and funny food and uh, and what a world to live in there. What a world. And uh, Dave and I also did a podcast, Groundhog Minute, where we covered the movie Groundhog Day, one minute at a time, much the same way that Rick and Julie are covering uh, Mad Max. So you can find that at GroundhogMinute.com. And then I also got a site at CatAndSean.org, and I've got links to all my podcasts and my guest appearances. And um, if you're interested in uh, which Flaming Carrot comic books I have and which ones I still need, there's a list of that as well if you go to uh, CatAndSean.org. All right. Ooh, I will say this because this will come out in October. Sean and I are going to work on a holiday. We're going to work on some holiday stuff. Okay. So. Oh yeah, they're definitely yeah. So 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 keep a look at you know all all those websites, all those our social medias and everything, and uh, yeah, some holiday announcements will be coming up very soon. Yeah. Well, as for this week, thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining. 
us. It has been a lot of fun having you hang out with us this week. As for Monday, when we come back, the wives will talk about all the nice things that you can find at the Citadel. Max will propose a direct approach. And Toast will insist that hundreds of small children won't put up a fight. (laughs) (laughs) The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 87 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.